Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Chef Special on the Believe Podcast Network. This is Patrick Honeywell. On today's podcast, my special guest is three time Emmy Award winner and best selling cookbook author, Chef James. On today's podcast, Chef James takes us on his inspired journey and climb to success, sharing his deep connection to food and family and opening up a new world of cooking through his best-selling cookbook, The Homemade Chef, Ordinary Ingredients for Extraordinary Food, and his online foodie escuela cooking classes, sharing his message to cook, eat, share, inspire, and repeat. Chef James, thank you for joining me on the Leave and Chef special podcast today. Well, it's such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. I mean, not not every day we get invited to a podcast that that you know that sort of like celebrates chefs, and I I love the fact that you do. So thank you for having me here. Well, I'm I'm very fortunate to have you here, so I really appreciate it. Um, first, I want to just mention I know that you're pretty darn busy. You you're prepping probably today. You have your class. You've got this amazing. It's called Foodie Escuela, right? Right. Uh, so Fulia Escuela is basically a project that we decided to launch in October of uh, 2020 in the middle of like crazy uncertain times. Um, and, and we basically wanted to give so naturally people were cooking significantly more at home. So that made us say, how do we extend our, our you know, our knowledge into people so they can better prep their food so they can, you know, sort of like get themselves busy into activities that at the end have a purpose, which is feeding the family, et cetera. So we decided to build a a platform inspired on Netflix. So we put a lot of resources and we put a lot of, you know, um, resources in general, meaning money, meaning everything we had, you know, uh, in order to put together uh, uh, what I call a streaming platform that's dedicated for cooking. So it's a subscription base, the same way Netflix works. But instead of finding series and movies, all you find is uh, cooking classes, and and you know you pay either a monthly fee of eleven ninety nine as of right now, or seventy nine ninety nine a year, and then you have full access to Fulia Escuela. So you you have master classes, you have videos. You have 20 recipes that we send your way every month in order for you to, you know, sort of like not think too much about what you're going to cook, but organize yourself, know what to buy so you don't overbuy and you don't waste my, uh, not only money, but normally what we do when we go to a supermarket is we buy whatever we think we need. And then because we don't have a plan, a specific plan for that food, particularly, then we end up losing that food or like throwing it out. So if we buy with a purpose saying, these are the recipes I'm going to prep this week, not only we save money, we cook better because organization leads to excellence, right? So it's the same thing with cooking. And, and that is the purpose of Fulia Escuela. Uh, people ask me, why would you want to charge to teach people recipes if there's a million gazillion recipes out there? We don't teach recipes. We teach techniques that you can transform into thousands of recipes, so uh, it's available on chefjames.com. It's very unique. And yeah, the way you described it, getting so- somebody gets ready um, to, to prepare something, they go to the store, they get the right amount. So it sounds much more organized than anything I've seen. And in fact, I just signed up for it. 
That's how much I ah, liked it when I checked so it out. Much. And the seventy nine ninety nine or something like that. It, that's nothing. I mean, that's what a great deal. I mean, think about it this way: uh, if we divide seventy nine dollars by twelve months, it's less than seven dollars a, a a month, which is technically you spend more in two cups of coffee from Starbucks in a month, God. and that leaves you with nothing. You know, so we we are giving you something that's you know that that has a value that will last forever, not only. In, in, in you, but you'll pass this knowledge to your children. And we would pull back something that's extremely important from the past, which is giving importance to food and overall sitting down in a table to eat in, in family around the table, you know, where we communicate, where we, there's so much positive things that come with sitting together as a family that sometimes we, we, you know, we, we let those things pass and we take for granted and, you know, we, we learn about our kids, you know, being bullied in school three years after where like the damage is way too far. And, and, and the reason is we're not communicating with, those, with our children. Everybody eats at different times. You know, you, it's that you eat standing up while you're in a phone and, and you were not connecting. So our, our kids no longer feel comfortable talking to us this times. And, mm. and this is sort of like the truth. And, and, and the, the meaning behind Foodie Escuela and everything we do. Mm, that's, that, that sounds so great. And actually, I love the name Foodie Escuela. So it's Escuela for school and foodie because you're like a, looking for foodies, people that love to cook, right? Exactly. We want people <laughs> that, that enjoy the, the, that, this fascinating world of food and that overall, you know, they understand the power of food. Food has the power, you know, to not only uh, transform people's lives, but creates memories and and, and food has the power to completely change a sad or like a difficult day. Mm. You know, you get home, you kick your feet up and you have a glass of wine and then you eat something that truly makes you happy. Anything that happens outside of your, you know, the, the, the four, uh, the, the doors of your home, just it's, it's, I mean, doesn't mean anything, you know? Mm. Yeah, family is so important in food. And I'll be honest with you, though, and we'll talk about your book in just a moment, but the food in that book, your pre- the way that you describe the recipes and all your information, it's so amazing. Um, I tend to make a little more uh, so I have leftovers because the leftovers are good, too. You know what I mean? Oh, my God. I, I, always, <laughs> I always cook double the size. Oh, man. Like, literally, um, food develops uh, as, it, as it, you know, stays in your fridge. Mm-hmm. Food grows. Food ages. And, and, you know, uh, we, we all know from home cooking that a chicken soup tastes significantly better the next day than it does the day you prep it. So we always, every time we barbecue, we always make double the amount we truly will eat because there's nothing like, you know, cutting those pieces of meat, sauteing them in the morning, throw a few eggs on top, throw, throw a little, you know, goat cheese, throw a little sage, uh, you know, and, and whip up a crazy breakfast. So I, I love, I, I, I'm obsessed and you have no idea. I'm obsessed <laughs> with leftovers. I love it. Yeah. Cause you can always adjust it, kick it up, mix it with something else. But my wife, Sonia, when I, you know, when I was cooking, you know, I cook and do too much, she'd say, and she'd go, man, this is, you're making so much. And then she got so used to it. Next day she goes, where's my lunch? You know, because she wants to have the le- the extra uh, food that I cook. Right. Plus it saves time. You know, it's the reality. Oh, yeah. It's true. Lunch and then maybe for dinner, too. So let's walk a bit through, uh, Chef, um, your journey a little bit in food. Like, when did you first become interested in food? You've got a killer history, but let's start with that. 
I was I was always I was always in love with food. I come from a family that takes food very seriously to this day. And uh, my, my parents are originally Syrian and they were immigrants to Venezuela uh, back in long time ago. I can't even, you know, remember the dates, but um, they, they, they moved to Venezuela and, and they take in, in the Middle East and all the Arabic countries, food is a big thing. So we grew up around food. And then I, I always I always felt very connected to food, you know, uh, not only from like the the prepping of the food but the eating of the food which i think is the fun part i enjoy cooking and prepping and i say it's my happy place um and 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 that was it you know i was doing things that i didn't necessarily love at the time uh i i was going to school i wanted to be a dentist so i was doing my major my major in chemistry and then one day i, I said it's not for me so i took a step down and uh, I decided to go into culinary school. And, and I felt that that was the best decision of my life, not only because I found that thing that really moved me and that thing that I would do for free for the rest of my life. But I, I you know, I wasn't late one day. I didn't miss I didn't miss one day of school. Uh, it, it was just like a natural connection. That sounds fantastic. So your first job, I believe I read somewhere, your first actual job cooking was at an Arabian restaurant, I think in Miami. Right. So the, the, it was a restaurant I used to go to with my family uh, all the time because it was the closest to the food that we eat at home. And um, I went there. The chef was this grumpy man, uh, <laughs> you know, old school. Yeah. It, it was, but it was fun, you know, and then I go there with my diploma from Le Cordon Bleu, you know, it being one of the best schools in the world. And then it's like that, that um, certificate, whatever he called it certificate. I, till this day, I, I'm like, dude, you called the certificate. It was my diploma. He calls it a little piece of paper. Get that out of here. Yeah. That, that piece of shit you have on (laughs) you, that doesn't work for anything. And I was like, oh my God. Okay. And he's like, Hey, the only job I can give you is you doing prep, you know, you doing prep which is the, 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 the only thing I can offer you. And I will pay you seven bucks an hour. Hmm. And I was like, you know what? Um, I'll take it. Uh, and the reason why I took it was not, not because I wanted it, but I saw it as a challenge and I always like challenges. So I took it as a challenge. First day at work, I will never forget. <laughs> there was two tables, literally packed full of freaking parsley to make tabbouleh and tabbouleh is this finely chopped parsley salad that you literally have to chop a thousand million times with a very sharp knife so you don't bruise the parsley Mm. and that was like it almost felt like i was working for 40 hours nonstop. my fingers were hurting everything was was so terrible about it and then next day he gave me like I don't know, three massive bags of onions. And he had me cut onions all day for all the prep. And next day it was potatoes. And, you know, he put me to work and I was like, dude, I can cook. I want to cook. I want to service. And then he's like, if you can't do this, you can't do service. So it was a good training though. I think he was testing you, you know, let me throw all this at him and see if he bails, you know? He did. He did. And, and I, I, I was very stubborn. So I never said no. I never said I'm quitting. I never said screw this. So, uh, yeah, one day he said, listen, I need to step out. So you will te- you, you'll be taking care of the line. 
Mm. And that was the day he gave me the line and I worked in the line for, for the first time and everything went very well. I, nice. I learned the line just by looking. Mm. I never I had never worked the line. I had never done anything. So I was just looking and he said, I know you're ready because you're always very observative. Mm. And that service went pretty well. Very cool. Very cool. You know, before we go further, I want to ask you quickly, you, this is interesting to me. Um, you got into martial arts early, right? And I, I asked because I was when I was younger too. And I, I noticed that I think that you won the martial, U.S. Martial Arts Championship, which I thought was a great foundation for everything in life because the discipline, the power, the speed, you know, I mean, the whole thing you translates even into cooking on the line. Definitely. Um, so the story goes back some time. Uh, I was I was six years of age. I got my ass kicked at school. Uh, There's a few kids, you know, I got in a fight, not because I looked for it, but they said something and I was like, don't say that. And then they beat the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. So I, I just decided to, you know, I went home, I told my parents and they were like, okay, we're putting you into martial arts. Mm-hmm. So they put me in martial arts that also changed my life forever because still today, we have, a, you know, it's a family business. My wife is a martial artist. She's a third degree black belt. I'm a second Gosh. degree black belt. And wow. then her dad is an eight degree black belt. And my brother is a, is a brown belt. So we've all been one way or another related to, to the world of martial arts. And it was a, it was a true uh, dream for us to one day start, you know, our own karate schools. And we're fortunate enough to say that we today own a school that's called Dragons United here in, in, in Miami. And uh, yeah, we, we teach martial arts self-defense to, to, you know, to not only kids, but adults. And, and we're happy. It's something that we, we are very passionate about. Do you have a cool logo for the, for the school? Yeah, I, I was actually involved in the design of the logo. I want to see um, that. I'm going to, I'm going to post that with your, uh, with our promo. Oh my video. God. If I, you don't I mind. will send it to you because Sweet. it's, it's a lot of fun. I, I took the, traditional Kempo logo, which is the mm. style that we practice. And I said, I want all the elements of the Kempo logo, but I wanted to make them my own. So I did a crazier tiger. My dragon is red with yellow. And like, I used a lot of like nice. ingredient colors <laughs> and stuff like that. So yeah, it was fun. Very fresh, very fresh. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Very cool. So I know that when you were younger, you were uh, a, a radio spokesperson and you took that and went all the way into television and eventually getting three Emmys. That's crazy. How did you get so involved in the, in the TV side of uh, cooking? So it, everything happened without planning. Like it, it was some of the things that live throws at you. I, I used to work for a telemarketing. Mm-hmm. Funny enough, this is, I was very young. Uh, it was one of my, my, my jobs at a telemarketing. And then the guy that did the radio commercial for like direct response that usually comes on the radio and says, the first 10 people that call will get the special offer. The guy got sick. And then the, one of the, one of the general managers for the company said, listen, I trust your voice for some reason and you need to do this thing. And I was scared. Like you have no idea. So I did it. And, you know, for everyone's surprise, the, the, the numbers, like the, the numbers that came in were tri- triple the, the numbers that the other guy would get. So off the charts. that day I got the job. Yeah. So I was doing the radio commercials and, uh, and that sort of like gave me the ability to, I was always, I was always very fluent at, at talking to people mm-hmm. and like, you know, I was never afraid to come up in class and talk in front of my, my, the, the rest of the students and stuff. So it was always 
easy for me, but um, I think this gave me the ability to talk on, on like, you know, radio and television. And then I took that into uh, uh, television after I had gone through culinary school and worked, you know, my way around uh, kitchens and hotels and stuff like that. And uh, one day they called me for, a, for you know, they were, they were doing a casting for Telemundo, mm-hmm. which at the time, I mean, well, so today is one of the most important television networks in America, you know, Spanish speaking networks in America. And uh, I went through the casting. I did it. And three days after I got the job. Well, you know why? I'll tell you a couple. <laughs> you know why? I know that on watching you on film or watching some videos of you, you are really good on camera, and you have you're very expressive. Like you really believe in every little thing you're doing as far as as food, and and your everything about you is really is just made to be teaching people. I think. Thanks, I, I appreciate it. And and to be honest with you, when I was in the, the television world for, for eleven years, um, I used to do the show. So the show I did was like the the Today Show, but in mm. Spanish. Mm-hmm. Aside from you know all the other shows I did, you know, including uh, judging of Top Chef, Master Chef, not only in America but I did Top Chef in the Middle East. I judged that show. Um, but doing the show, I realized that there was a lot of people that had characters. You know, when they come in television and the cameras are on, they they have a character, and they're not necessarily who they who they truly are. Uh, you know, behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I always sort of like saw that. And I said, I never want this for me. I want to be the person who I am. And I people to, I want people to connect with who I, I truly am, not necessarily this character that, yeah. I'm, that I'm building. That's perfect. Natural, a natural you, not, not a, like a TV right. cartoon. So if character. you come to my house one day and we start cooking, this is the way I talk about food. I mean, mm-hmm. if you look behind me, there is, a, a little over a thousand cookbooks and and this is what truly passionates me and i can talk about food drinks coffee you name it all day without a problem you have a background in in international cuisine i know even at cordon bleu you took international cooking classes and things as you started out but if you were to take a venezuelan style dish can you fuse that with Syrian, you know, knowing that you have a Syrian heritage too, can you take some spices and kick it up a little bit? Oh, definitely. Um, so what happens with Venezuelan food is most of the people would relate Venezuelan food to, you know, um, Latin food. And the truth is that what we know from Venezuelan food is some of the dishes that we know are very similar to other countries in Latin America. Mm-hmm. But if you go down and deep into the the you know what the core of of venezuelan cooking cooking is you'll find yourself with a cuisine that's significantly more complex than many of the cuisines in in latin america because there was a heavy 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 influence from other countries you know Mm -hmm. including countries like italy portugal spain arabic people uh chinese heavy chinese so there's different regions in, in venezuela where for example, if you go to, to the Andes of, of, of Venezuela, you'll find some crazy cuisines. And then if you go to the mid area of Venezuela, you'll find that they cook everything on a stick the way they would, you know, do kebabs and, and all those things. Um, so it's, it's, it's very interesting to see beyond what we now know for Venezuelan cuisine, which is the, you know, the arepas and uh, arepas and, and, and whatever it is that we know about. Uh, but 
it's it's fascinating you could definitely you could definitely fusion syrian cuisine with venezuelan cuisine absolutely very nice very nice so what is your favorite uh, food to cook i mean for example let's say that you're having friends over for dinner family and you're saying oh my gosh these people are they love good food what would you what would your go-to food be to prepare listen i've i've been known you know aside from my 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 life in 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 my life in behind the stoves of, of, you know, restaurants and my own restaurants and stuff like that. I've always liked family style food that we can serve in the middle of the table. So anything that's like a big joint of meat that's cooked low and slow in the barbecue, uh, I love, you know, I love making paellas, which I think it's a celebration of, of being together, period. You know, it's one big, uh, you know, one, one big pan and then everything's there and you have you know, your meat paellas, you have your lamb paellas, you have your seafood paellas. It's visually amazing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's one of those foods that turns on all your senses. It smells amazing. It looks visually amazing. It tastes incredible. It makes you feel alive. So um, anything that's, that's served in, in the middle of the table, I also recall for a recipe that I will be actually making today in, in, in the live class for Fully Escuela, which is, is a pasta dish. And I'll, I'll, I'll make sure you get an invitation for today's tonight's class uh, if you can join us. Uh, but it was basically, you know, a big pot of, of like a red sauce with a bunch of roasted lamb in it. Ooh. So after roasting the lamb, you would put the lamb in the in the in the tomato-based sauce, and you can cook you you would cook that for a long time until literally the meat falls apart, and then Gosh. you would throw tons of pasta, you know, mix it all up, and then take this massive pot and then toss it on top of a table, not even <laughs> plate to anything, and then you just dunk it, you know, and then everybody eats off the table, oh, and I it was it. one of the most. Uh, memorable food experiences I have ever had. And it happened always on a Sunday and always on uh, on top of the table and then always with family. So these are the things I love to cook. That sounds amazing. And you're in Miami, so I guess I won't be invited over anytime soon, but I would love to one day. You know, my of wife course. is from Brazil. <laughs> anytime you're in Miami, you need to come by. Okay, sounds good to me. Hey, you know, you mentioned a little bit earlier that you've been a judge, I think top, top chef, yeah? Top chef. Master and chef, yeah. Master chef. And so in the Middle East, we talked a bit before about that competition and it was fascinating. Could you talk a little bit about that one? Yeah, I had done I had done cooking competitions in America. I I had judged top chef, master chef. Um, and then I get this invitation from the Middle East to do the Middle East Top Chef, which is the number one rated show in the Middle East, topping La, La Voz or The Voice by 30% in terms of audience. Um, just so you have an idea, MasterChef in America hits a rating of approximately four to six million impressions in a show. Mm -hmm. In the Middle East, because it airs all across the Middle East, it, it, it you know, average, average, averagely hits 180 to 200 million impressions a show, which Gosh. is absolutely insane. And I was taken to uh, this very beautiful uh, little town up the mountains in Lebanon to, to shoot, you know, and it was one of the most memorable experiences. It was the first show I ever did in Arabic, which was always like a dream that I never, ever saw coming. I never thought 
uh, I would I would be able to do. It was so far away. I, I was like, this this would never happen, but it would be so freaking cool. And it ended up happening. They reached out to me and they took me there, and and it was it was so memorable. It was like giving back to my heritage and to my family. So they were very happy, and that to me was the the best achievement ever. That's amazing. Is it difficult to judge? Chef James, when you let's say that you're there and you see all these great contestants and you know you see where their their hearts so into it, but you have to pick somebody, right, to move on. Yeah, it's it's very hard because um I connect very deeply with people and I understand that they what they go through and and, and sometimes it's very tough because you see their their dreams vanish based on your decision, you know, but you have to make that decision. So it's, it's, it's a very tough situation to be yourself involved in. Uh, and I think that most of the times in, in judging competitions, a lot of the judges sort of like lose that sensitivity behind that person because they do it so often that they, they it's, it's like a doctor, you know, it's like a doctor. The first time uh, that something doesn't go right, then they're, you know, they're like, oh my God, but then it happens so often that then they get used to it and they, they, they look for a fixture or whatever. So I, I, I always try when I'm, when I'm judging shows not to lose that sensitivity and to understand every contestant's position and their dreams and really focus on what they want and understand uh, their desires. And, and all that I think just leads to me being a little more connected with the show and the contestants. So it is very difficult. I want to talk a little bit about your book, The Homemade Chef, Ordinary Ingredients for Extraordinary Food. What a great title. That one went out in 2016. What was the motivation for that a little bit? And then, um, I mean, I have the book and it's it is set up so well. It's deep and it's over 300 pages. It's it's killer. Thanks. Um, I Because I collect books and I grew up, you know, reading uh, Emerald Lagasse books and, and, and you know, and all the, the the American celebrity chefs books. I said I want to do a book that 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 has all the things that those books do not have. So one thing from the get go that my book has that no other book has is that it has one picture per recipe. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a lot of times where you open a book and it has fifty recipes and twenty five pictures, and then you want to see how it looks. You want to see the way it's played it. You want to hear everything about it. So, uh, you know, I, I said, I want to make a hundred recipes and a hundred pictures. There was very minimal. So from my thousand books, maybe 5%, maybe 3% have cocktails in them. And cocktails are a significantly important part of, you know, entertaining and having fun at home. So I said, I want to create not only a cocktail section, but I want to make a dessert section and I want to make, you know, uh, I want to teach you uh, in the beginning of the book, almost like 25% of the book is dedicated to teaching you how to become a better cook at home. Mm -hmm. So um, no other book had it, you know, some of them have techniques, some of them have a few things here and there, but this is like, okay, when I created the book, I said, Today, I go into people's homes through television, but then when the show is over, guess what? You're out. You left their homes. So the only way for me to stay there so they can consult me, they can really reach out is through a book. And it has to be a book that has a lot of information. So that was, that's the inspiration behind The Homemade Chef. 
And there's a, yeah, it's a lot of impact. It's a beautiful book. And it, more than 100 pan Latin recipes. How, what is pan Latin? What is that? Uh, how do you describe so pan it? Pan Latin, I think is, uh, so let me explain this right. So we know Pan Asian being a restaurant that sort of like groups the, the different, you know, techniques and, and cooking methods and styles from different uh, countries of Asia. But then I sort of like took that into um, Pan Latin, you know, being uh, sort of like the same concept, but for Latin cooking. So I take techniques and recipes from all across Latin America, which I've had the opportunity to travel, you know, and, and we take stuff from Peru and we take stuff from Mexico and Venezuela, but then also those influences that in a way influence Latin American cooking. So if you go to Brazil, you were mentioning Brazil. Mm -hmm. In Brazil, one of their top dishes is kebabs, which is crazy. And you're like, kebabs? Kebabs comes from Middle East. Yes, it's part of their cooking. So you'll see a lot of my recipes, you know, and some of the recipes that have a meaning for me uh, along the years that I was able to travel. Well, I still continue to travel, but uh, look, my cooking journey in a way. Mm -hmm. uh, and then sort of like those accents of things that you also find when you go into this country. So you'll find some Arabic food in there. You'll find some Asian food in there. You'll find some Spanish food in there. You, you find a little bit of everything. So it's like a melting pot of, of cultures in a book. I, I really wanted to, to, you know, to give people a book that was worth every penny they spent. I really appreciate every single cent that people put into any of the things we, we, we work on, you know, and, and I want them to be proud, uh, you know, that they bought the book, they bought the pants or they bought my spices or, or any of that. So we truly work hard on the product development. And, and that was the first, that was the initiation of our, you know, our retail business. And, and, and till today, you know, we are very blessed to say that we have a 98% return customer rate which is crazy yeah that is amazing well the book is i know it's an it's um a bestseller and it's on amazon i got mine from amazon so it's easily uh you can get it pretty easy uh, but again it's amazing it's uh it's out my wife enjoys it too and again yeah she's from brazil so she loves to cook and she i said check this book out this is like when i got it maybe a month ago she's looking through she goes huh she puts it down then later i see her sneaking some more peaks and getting out a pen and a pencil taking notes. So that was pretty cool. Ah, that's great. You've been listed as Latin Gourmet Chef of the Year, one of the leading chefs in U.S. You've had three Emmys, I think top 50 most beautiful people in the Latin American, I think, People Magazine or something. And Yeah, that was, that was that's crazy. Great. That's amazing. So, so do you have some memorable awards or moments that really meant a lot to you that are really cool? Um, I mean, the Emmys are definitely, you know, one of the most important things that have ever happened to me in my career because... The Emmys, just so people understand, and just to put it into context, it's like the the Academy Awards for the television business and not the movie business, right? Mm -hmm. So getting the first Emmy, I remember I was coming back from Mexico for doing from doing a killer show uh, with, with a Mayan community down and deep into like the forests in Mexico. And we were cooking there, open fires, and and you know the Mayans were singing to the rain, and and Gosh. it was this magical experience. And then I end in the plane, and as soon as we land in Miami, uh, 
the 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 airplane gets stuck literally like it, it landed and it gets stuck in there and and we're waiting for like three hours and the show was happening the emmys were going on at the time and and i was looking at my phone and then uh, they announced us and i was just you know crazy jumping all around the, the the airplane and people are looking at me like what's happening with this dude and i was like i just won my first Emmy, and then everybody oh, everything man. turned into into a party a and party. yeah they they started bringing the 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 the, the guys that work in the airplane started bringing beers out and they yeah. were like beers and i was like yeah cheers for the emmy and no it turned kidding. into a massive party almost like uh that that uh, james corden episode with with this uh with i think who who was it uh, it's, it's like carpool karaoke taken into a plane oh yeah man what an experience so the flight was probably pretty long but you enjoyed every minute yeah i enjoyed every minute yeah it was it was amazing mm -hmm. um so i've had very uh important recognitions uh you know along my career and i think that mm, aside from saying i have an emmy you know i always say it's it's i want to tell the story not to not to intimidate people, but to inspire people. I, I am a part of a minority in this country uh, that, you know, a lot of times we, we, we say we don't have the same opportunities. And, and sometimes it's, it's true. It could be true. But, but the honest part of it is that if you work hard and you really want to make an impact, you, everything's just there for you. And it's going to end up happening one way or another. What do you see coming up next for you? Um, I'm in this, um, stage of my life where I I was born to do what I'm doing, uh, Pat. To be honest with you, it it I tell you when I get goosebumps because yeah. this is the this is the dream of my life, and I've been very fortunate to, along you know my career to have achieved every single thing that was ever in my pipeline or it was in my dreams or my vision board. Um, one day when I started on television, which was one of my first dreams after I started in the, in the culinary world, you know, since cooking school, I was like, I want to be on television mm. uh, because I want to spread the word out of how magical cooking could be for you and how you could enjoy and live a much better life through cooking mm. and eating. So um, television came and then obviously my new dream was I want to take this into the general market. Mm -hmm. uh, and I want to cook in English and I want to go to an American cooking show. Uh, and the first move into an American cooking show was the time I, I, I went to the Today Show. Um, I went, you know, quite a few times to the, to the Today Show. So that was Gosh. a big step. And then I was like, okay, what's next? Now I want to do a competition show. Now I want to judge a competition show. And that Gosh. came my way and I judged Top Chef and Master Chef. And then I said, now I want to do like a cooking show on, on television. And then uh, Food Network calls me and then they have me go and, and be a part of Chopped and Worst Cooks in America. And then Rachel Ray calls me and then Jeez. she's like, I want you in my show. And then they call me from the Middle East. And all these things that I, some of them, as I said before, I, I didn't even dream about them, you know, mm. uh, and they came my way. So I've been very fortunate and I've been very blessed to have a career that that has gave me a lot of joy. You named so many wonderful things. I wish you had a movie reel, you know, a clips of all the things you've done. I mean, that would be wonderful to post on YouTube. What do you think of that? And that's an amazing idea. Let's it's, go. You've done a lot of things, but I, there might be one thing you wished you had done. And I'm looking behind you and you've got a flag of Barcelona, Barcelona. football club. Yes. Are you a fan? 
I'm a massive fan of Barcelona. I have over 80 jerseys of Barcelona and over 80. Uh, well, in total, it's like 140 something jerseys between jerseys and sweaters of Barcelona that I have. Yeah. Wow. But now was Christian Ronaldo on Madrid or was he on Barcelona in the old uh, days? Cristiano was in Real Madrid. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. He was born on the, where my grandparents are from, uh, Madeira, Portugal. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I won't mention him again because he's not FC Barcelona. <laughs> he's good. He's good. He's good. I, I I really like him because he's a he's a he's a hard worker, you know, and he's like that guy that was not necessarily born with talent, but mm-hmm. worked for talent, and you know, one of the best players in in, in the history of football. Period. Mm. Well, I like uh, Messi too. I mean, I've always yeah. followed Messi. He's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so. Any final thoughts before I let you get back to your prepping tonight for the class? And I'm going to be on that. So I, I'm going to let you go. But any final thoughts you want to Listen, share? Um, you know, I, I, again, I, all these achievements, I share them. And I don't, I don't necessarily love talking about me. I love talking about food. But, you know, it's, it's only an inspiration for, for other people. I want to inspire people to reach out to their goals, not take no as an answer. You know, if, if I would have taken a no for an answer, I wouldn't be celebrating my book to, today because mm-hmm. I remember calling, you know, and having a meeting, actually a, an in-person meeting with, with the executives of, at Penguin Random House mm-hmm. um, to present my book. And they said, listen, two of the most recognized Hispanic chefs in America have made books with us and they have been failures. What makes you think yours is going to sell? You know, and I I did not have an answer. I said, wow, that's tough. So I went back to Miami and I sat down with my best friend. Uh, His name is Ricardo. And he used to work with me, still today works. And, you know, he he works with us in in the creative uh, part of, of our business. And, and I sat down with Ricardo and I said, listen, he told me this and I cannot take this answer. I, I, we need to go back with, with a counter punch. And I said, listen, why don't we look into this other two chefs, which are very known, very well known. And, and we see what made them not succeed or like what made them fail. So we looked at social media, we looked at a bunch of stuff and we made a presentation and I requested another meeting with him in New York. Mm-hmm. So I went there. I flew there and I sat with him in a meeting with all his team. And I told him, can I give you a presentation? And he said, yes. And I said, okay, um, here it is. So we put a PowerPoint presentation that we did a very shitty PowerPoint presentations because we did not have the team that we have today. So <laughs> it's when, practice. practice. When, yeah. When we put that together, <laughs> it was a comparison against the other two chefs. And I said, listen, I am a doer. And I will not make a book just to say I have a book. I will, if I have to, pick up all those books and sell them door by door the way my dad did it back in the days when he reached out, when he when he actually went to Venezuela, did not speak the language. He used to sell blankets door by door, knocking on the door. And just by, you know, their faces, he would sell those blankets. So if I have to, if I have to do that, I will do it in order to sell out of those books. And I will not, you know, I will not rest until I make it happen. Uh, 
I am looking and I've always been the most competitive person in the world. So I will push for that. And I push always to be number one. The reason why I looked for you was because Random Peng uh, Penguin Random House is the number one publishing company in America. Hmm. So I think number ones should play along. That's and right. uh, if you don't take it, I'm going to make the book happen. And if, which it will, be number one, I will bring one to you and tell you I told you. And I hope that doesn't happen. So it was a very, you know, uh, controversial sort of like conversation yeah he calls me three days after and he says you you are the first uh, and and excuse my if you have to beep this but he said you're the first motherfucker that ever tells me something that i not necessarily agree with but i want to proceed with wow. so here is your contract and he signed Gosh. me you know he gave me a book deal that was a very big book deal and you know he said you better prove what you said because if not you'll be full of shit and i said you're right and um before the book came out on pre-sale it was sold out gosh yeah i bet it's still doing well now i mean it's, it's still doing well it's, it's amazing still doing well. every time you go in on amazon there's like you know uh, there's three, three left. There's five left. Gosh. There's two left. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think left. I had a couple left when I got it. So I, I went kind of quick. I didn't know because yeah. I, I had to be ready, even though this was like a month ago, I had a lot of preparation for you, chef. Yeah. Thank you very much for that. You, you, <laughs> you're, you're freaking great, man. I wish everybody that does <laughs> podcasts and interviews is as, as good as you are. Oh, you're so nice. Um, well, listen, I, I want to talk about following you on social media. I, I went on to, I, <laughs> I looked at, uh, your, uh, Instagram page. And I said, Oh my gosh, over 500,000 people following you. I thought this guy's never going to return my call to be on my, my podcast, a little, little old me. And I, um, I'm blown away. So they can follow you right at chef James, chef James on Instagram. They can look me at chef James on, uh, Facebook. Um, uh, everything's there. Okay. You know, uh, I'm, awesome. I'm, I'm always there to, um, share with people all of the things that we do and how to live a better life through food. So we're there. You're there, beautiful, beautiful shots of your family. You have a really beautiful child and your wife seems awesome, even though she's third degree and you're second. So I know who's the boss at home, right? Exactly. You know, you know, you know who's the boss. Yeah, yeah. you got that right. <laughs> well, listen, Chef James, thanks again for coming on my show. I love it. I love it. You're such a cool guy. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me and uh, I hope to see you soon. For all of you listening out there, Chef Special is part of the Believe Podcast Network. Check it out at believe.com. And follow me on Instagram at Patrick Honeywell. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.